difference between what it means to be good when you're trying to be epic. Uh, no, you don't gotta believe in me. Nothing can stop me. I already said it. I'm taking everything they stole from us. Yeah. You got your problems, I'm a whole nother. I'm giving people something to believe in. I'ma show them freedom like a bone cutter. We gonna fight back. Yeah, we breaking chains over here. And we are back once again, ladies and gentlemen, only on Last Call. Last Call with the alcohol, only on the Blue Wire Hustle Network. And we had a wild weekend that happened. We're going to talk about that. But now join me on the line. I got, once again, my beautiful co-host, Kyle Scott Show. He's doing Chris. We got to get him back on the show. The, the road to redemption starts December 9th. We got to get him on before he starts, you know, getting miserable because he's missing Thanksgiving. He's missing all the food and all that stuff. It's going to make way. We understand that. I give you, well, he's... Back once again, this time in the title picture on December 9th against Freilon Saluter. I give you pride and joy of Australia. I give you Andrew Maloney. Uh, Andrew, so they say you can you can never go back home. Well, you are home. You are going to be fighting at home in Newcastle, Australia. How nice is it to actually have a fight where you're not planning like travel itinerary, you know, quarantining, and all that other crap they had to do for the last couple of fights. Uh, good day, Chris. Thanks for having me on, mate. Um, yeah, it's definitely uh, uh, you know a, a relief that I'm not going to have to be away for such a long period of time again, and not have to go through hotel quarantine, which we've done three times now for my my last three fights. So uh, certainly a lot more relaxed this time around. Just training camp at home, in my home gym, where I'm very comfortable, and then yeah, fighting in Australia for the first time in over two years. So I'm really looking forward to that. How does it feel to be home after all this time? Yeah, it's been really good. I've uh, had the opportunity to spend some good quality time with my family. I've got a two-year-old son who I spent a lot of time away from. So it's been great to spend time with him, um, some quality time together. Um, But I'm also looking forward to getting back in the ring now and finishing off the year with a good victory. Absolutely. I mean, you held the super flightweight title, right? Yeah, had the WBA title um, and lost that in a yeah, back and forth trilogy with Joshua Franco. Um, and uh, yeah, now my journey back to world champion starts on December 9, where uh, I'll hope to capture the WBA regional title and then um, start my track towards becoming world champion again. So how do you prep for that, though? I mean, knowing like how your journey starts back to that, how are you going to prep to to going back to that because it's, it's an interesting challenge when you have it you have it in your grasp and you're like okay I got to get back to that how does that work in your mind and in training yeah well I suppose that that loss against Joshua Franco um, has just really made me just so determined to to get back to where I was um, and I've got so much motivation right now I I started training as soon as I got back to Australia and I'm just determined to get back to becoming world champion and I need to make sure that I get through this fight with a victory and put on an impressive performance to, to put myself back in contention for a world title as soon as possible. Does that put some fire in your belly? Because I know for certain people, it depends upon their, you know, their mindset and whatnot. For some people, it can be a deterrent. They can get upset about it. For some people, it puts that fire in their belly and they're just like, you know what, I'm going to go after it. I don't care about what happened in the past. We're moving forward and I want it. I want that title back. Is that what kind of mindset you're in right now? Yeah, 100%. That's exactly how I'm feeling. And 
Um, as I said, I started training as soon as I got back to Australia, even while I was stuck in a hotel room for two weeks, I was, I was training every day and I'm just so determined to, to get back on top and become world champion again and, and be involved in some really big fights. Um, even though I'm 30 years old now, I still feel like I'm, I'm learning every fight and, and, you know, developing so much and getting better and better with every performance. And I feel like that trilogy, even though I, you know, took two losses throughout that, that trilogy, I feel like I'll learn a lot from that. And I think it's going to be, you know, a great experience for me going forward. And I've just got to use that now to improve as a fighter and make sure that I never lose again. Andrew, quick question here for me. It's the last fight. And I, look, I know that you and Tony have a good relationship with Bob. You know, you're happy with everything. Was there a frustration about this, that the fight was never like on sort of either Australia or even neutral site? Because it was almost like, okay, great. You're fighting in Vegas. He's in Texas. It's a hop, skip, and jump. And then the last fight, okay, yeah, it's not in Vegas, but it's in Oklahoma City. Once again, for him, it's a hop, skip, jump. He never had to worry about giving up three days of non-training because he's traveling. He never had to worry about, you know, watching what he's eating because he's on a plane and he's stuck for 24 hours there. Was there ever a frustration of like, oh, crap, you know, he's he's literally fighting his backyard basically three times. And I had to travel, all, you know, halfway around the world with this guy. Yeah. Uh, well, there's no, there, there, you know, I would have loved for that fight to, to be in Australia. Um, and we did try and make that happen. And, and Top Rank were, were working with us to and my team to, to bring that fight to Australia. But it was just the whole quarantine situation due to COVID that we just couldn't do that in Australia. There was the risk of the fight being with no crowd and Franco and his team would have to quarantine in a hotel room for two weeks before the fight. And things were just too difficult. Um, there's just too many hurdles that we had to get through that made it almost impossible. So in the end, we had to come back to America and, and have that fight. And, you know, I'll, 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 I'm happy to fight in America. I'll, that America, for me, you know, was a dream come true to fight there. Growing up in Australia, all the big fights in America, and, and that's what you dream about fighting, you know, under the big, the big lights, uh, especially in Las Vegas. Um, but, you know, I am looking forward to fighting in Australia this time around and, and not having to do the travel and, and, and all the, the sort of headaches that come with that. Um, but I do plan on fighting in America again throughout my career. Before the Costco take over, tell me what was worse, though, for you, losing to Franco or watching your brother lose to Naya in a way? Because everybody, everybody, everybody talked to you, they always say, you know, it's easier for us to fight when our siblings are fighting. We're just nervous nellies. You know, we're like the biggest cheerleaders. We hit when they lose, we feel awful here. You were there. And I know that, you know, Jason, God, you know, bless him. He took on a guy you could just argue is perhaps the best pound pound fight in the world, maybe number two and a guy near perfect. How tough is that for you watching him, you know, lose the fight. He's trying everything. And it's just, you can tell it's heartbreaking for him because he had, you know, he planned to win. He tried to win. It just didn't work out for him. Yeah, I mean, it's very hard to watch my, my brother fight. I, I get extremely nervous, probably more nervous when he's fighting than when I do. But um, in that fight in particular, that he, you know, he dared to be great and took on arguably the best fighter in the sport. Um, so I, I felt like there was there was no shame in him losing. Although we went into that fight confident that he would win and, and you know, really wanting him to get the job done. And it would have been just such a huge achievement if he had of. But, you know, 
him losing, there was there was no shame in that. He lost to an extremely good fighter and um, he dared to be great. And unfortunately, it wasn't his moment, but he will learn a lot from that and, and he'll be back better than ever. I have a question for you in regards to since you're back home now and, and not in the U.S. Do you think that if everything goes right and you get the win in your next fight, will it mean more to you winning on your own home soil? Yeah, I mean, for, for me, I, I'm, I'm wrapped that I'm fighting in Australia. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. But for me, it's, the victory is going to be just as sweet no matter where it was. Um, coming off a loss and then a no decision and, and an, another loss, I've, I've been through a sort of a pretty bad period in my career and I'm just looking forward to getting back to winning ways and, and you know, going forward with my career from now and, you know, learning from my mistakes and I've become a better fighter from it. And I'm just looking forward to, to moving forward now and chasing down that world title once again. So is there a certain strategy that you and your trainer, your training cramp are doing to, to move forward towards that title? Yeah. Yeah. We've watched back my, my last few performances where I made a few mistakes and I think it was probably more a mindset and maybe the wrong strategy from me. Um, I believe I've, was trying to box too technical and was overthinking things and, and got away from my sort of natural style. Um, before those fights, I was usually the, the aggressive fighter going forward and putting pressure on my opponents and, and breaking them down. But I went, I started to try and be too technical and I believe that worked as, uh, against me. And for this fight in particular, I'm looking forward to getting back to an aggressive style going forward and, and breaking my opponent down. So you feel that's that's more your cup of tea, more like intuition. Yeah. I find that sometimes, you know, between talent and technicality, um, most successful boxers or MMA fighters use both. And sometimes a little bit of intuition, too, or luck of the draw. You know, it's a mixture of all of them, really, because you never yeah. know. I, I've seen some incredible fights where they have one or two rounds and then sometimes it's gone in like a minute. And you're like, what did I just watch? Yeah, I think it's, and just, it's amazing. More, yeah, that's right. I think it's just more my natural style is to to be aggressive and go in there and to break my opponents down, and rather than trying to think too much and be too technical. So I'm going to get back to to what comes naturally to me, and I believe that's when I when I'm going forward and being aggressive. I believe that's when I'm at my best. So that's what we're going to go back to. Well, I think that's going to be great to watch. Yeah, I think it's going to be a great fight. Uh, my my opponent Saluto is a is a very good fighter. He's his only losses have been to either world champions or sort of like top five guys. So he's a very experienced fighter. He's had thirty two wins and only four losses. Um, so I'm expecting a very hard fight. Um, but as I said, I'm going to go out there and, and aim to break him down. So I think it's going to be a great fight for everyone watching. How what do you think your fans good? are going to re? Oh, sorry, go ahead, Chris. Before we jump into the fans, what makes him good? Like you, as I said, you and your team have seen him. You and Tony have even watched videotapes. So what makes Freudon Saluter a good fighter? Is he a pressure guy? Does he come with heavy hands? Like what makes him effective? He's he's very explosive. I believe he's going to be very dangerous early in the fight. He's 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 quite fast and he's got he's got a long reach. He's got long arms for his size and and all Filipino boxers have very heavy hands. So I'm going to have to be careful. Um, as I said, he's, he's very explosive, especially early in the fight. So I'm going to have to have a good look at him early and then look to break him down as the fight goes on. And 
I believe after sort of four or five rounds, I'll, I'll start to get to him and, and start to break him down and hopefully get him out of there early and take it out of the judge's hands. I like that concept though. Take it out of the judge's hands. Cause you don't want a split decision is what you're saying. Correct. Yeah, that's right. Uh, uh, not, not that I don't trust the, the judges, but you know, it's always better to take it out of their hands and I'd, I'd like to have, an impressive win and to show one the the improvements that I've made since my last couple of fights and and you know really make a statement and put the rest of the super flyweight division on notice that I'm here to come back and be world champion again I like it how do you think your fans are going to react to that especially you being back home and then seeing you take on you know your more aggressive side again yeah I think the fans are going to love it especially a lot of the you know my fans here in Australia weren't able to travel over the last you know two years or so so they haven't seen me fight in a long time live so they're very excited to have me back home fighting and I think they're all very going to be very excited to see me back fighting in that aggressive style and and really sitting down on my punches and, and looking to do damage I think some of the best fights and this is just obviously my personal opinion to those listening I'm not a professional <laughs> but uh I think when I watch fights, I mean, obviously it's about being aggressive and, and, and taking on your opponent. But I find some of the best fights that I've ever encountered, not just from the technicality or, you know, someone who's naturally talented, but it's the more aggressive and taking down your opponent type of fights where you're just like, wow, that was an amazing takedown. That's what I'm talking about. That was everything wrapped in one that I could have ever encountered. And that was it. And I think yeah. for those fighters who have that in them and that's how they work and that's when they're at their best is when you see kind of magic happen in the ring. And I really appreciate people like you and, and those type of fighters that are like that. So more power yeah. to you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I believe all, you know, all fans like to see knockouts and, and like to see, you know, action fights. And I believe that's what this one's going to be. And, and that's the style that I'm going to bring for the remaining part of my career because, I believe that's what suits me best, as I mentioned, and that's what the fans like to see, and they're the type of fights that I like to be involved in. Before we end the interview, I, I got to talk about the clip, and, and you know what I'm talking about here. I don't know if Costco's seen it. It blew up this this uh, summer where you're training with your new training partner, aka your son, and he is you're 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 basically shadow boxing, you're doing footwork. He's just charging like rampaging, and how nice was that with everything going on? With, <laughs> With Australia being, you know, hit with COVID, with lockdowns there, for at least, it was, you know, for a couple of minutes or even an hour, it's just lad and dad in the boxing gym just having a good time, and you seem to be just on cloud nine. Like, how nice was that having the most few moments where it's like, all right, don't forget about everything. I'm just with my son. Yeah, no, nah, it's it's been amazing to spend some quality time with him. Um, unfortunately, I missed a, a lot of time being away from him and almost eight months I was away from him over the last two years. So that's a big chunk of his life that I sort of missed. And now I'm just treasuring every moment that I've got with him. So um, he's sort of two and a half now. So he's starting to, to really enjoy coming down to the gym and, and, you know, hit the bags and do some shadow boxing. So it's, um, it's a special moment for us. And yeah, as I said, I'm just enjoying every second with him. Oh, do you, does he already know, like, does he have an idea of, like, what you actually do at such a young age? Uh, I think he 
sort of understands like he says like dad's going to boxing and he sort of like shadow boxes around the house but <laughs> I don't know if he necessarily realizes that it's a fight um but he's he's going to come along to my fight on December 9 so he uh he he has been to one of my fights before but he was only like four months old so he really had no idea what was going on so so this time it's going to be interesting I'm sure he's going to be much more aware of what's going on and um even more motivation for me to, to put on a dominating performance and, and make sure that he's not under any stress. I think that's wonderful. And I also think it's wonderful when the, the children can be involved in what their parents do and, and get to enjoy that or cheer, you know, your parents on. I think that's also great. Yeah, that's right. I think it'd be special for us to look back on, you know, when he's older in, in years to come that he can look back and, and watch videos and see that he was there live and, um, you know, even coming to the ring after the fight and, and things like that. Yeah, you guys say that, but I'm guessing, you know, your wife's like, yeah, it, it's fun, Andrew, but, you know, when he's using the dog as practice, body shots, and they're running around the house knocking on furniture, no, it's not fun. <laughs> you got to tell him, you can't use the dog as a heavy bag. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we're, we're trying to, to teach him that the only time you can punch is when you have gloves on because we don't want him running around, you know, daycare trying to punch kids in the face and things like that so <laughs> we're trying to set the boundaries very early on so that we don't have any headaches <laughs> well i think it's always good for people to learn i mean especially kids to defend themselves of course they have to understand you know like you're saying boundaries and situation but hey i think like just like my father before me he was taught how to learn how to box and that helped him a lot in high school so hey <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'll definitely, we're definitely going to teach him, you know, how to defend himself and how to box. But uh, I'm not 100% sure if I really want him to, to get into the sport. It's it's such a hard way to make a living and a brutal sport. But, um, you know, he'll decide if, if that's what he wants to do, then I'll support him. But, um, yeah, I, would, I think it'd be much easier to watch him do other sports or other ways to make a living. Yeah, absolutely. Being healthy and active, I think, is always a great way to teach kids and have them be uh, doing something else rather than getting into trouble. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And also the, <laughs> discipl the discipline that boxing teaches kids, um, you know, it saves so many kids from going down the wrong path and it's just the discipline that it teaches you. And, you know, most people involved in boxing will never be involved in a fight outside the ring because it teaches you that discipline and, and how to control your emotions when you're in a situation like that. Absolutely. And I think that's great that you mentioned that because so many people don't realize how much it takes, you know, discipline wise. And like you're saying, to control your emotions, not just to let it all out, because of course you have the technical standpoint and then know when to use it and harness that in your fight. And I think that's great because people just think it's like all willy nilly. And it's like, no, no, that is definitely not the case. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. A lot of times people just think that, you know, boxers are thugs and you know will be the type of people that are getting in fights all the time outside the ring but it's almost completely opposite um pretty much everyone that i know that is a you know a high level boxer would never fight out on the street because we know how dangerous it is and and we know how to control our emotions and we're we're all extremely you know disciplined people so um i think sometimes boxing can get a bad rap but i believe that the discipline it teaches kids especially is um is life-changing Oh, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, we are proud to have on the show a man will be fighting. It's going to be 
December 9th. It's going to be all the way in Newcastle, Australia. I give you once again, former WBA champion. I give you Andrew Maloney. Uh, Andrew, before I let you go, where can fans check you out at? Where is the Twitter page, Instagram, the website? Is there a YouTube channel finally? Will there be an Andrew Maloney YouTube channel? <laughs> there's no youtube <laughs> channel yet but um yeah you can follow me on all social media at andrew maloney maloney spelled m-o-l-o-n-e-y and we've also got a website teammaloney.com so i appreciate everyone following me along and following my journey back to becoming world champion absolutely and good luck to you we look forward to seeing your journey now nah, thanks very much and thanks for having me on the show Pleasure all ours andrew we come back Got a lot more going on, but only on Last Call. Last Call with the alcohol, only on the Blue Wire Hustle Network. Once again, only on its last call. Last call for the alcohol, only on the Blue Wire Hustle Network. And now join me on the line. Well, we got Christian uh, Then warming up in a bullpen. We're going to talk some boxing. But we, uh, before we do that, this man here will be fighting once again. He'll be taking on Emmanuel Sanchez in at Bellator 272. Well, he's hoping that uh, the third time out of the Bellator leads to a 2 and one record. He's looking forward to that. We're going to talk about a lot more going on. I give you once again the pride and joy of extreme couture. I give you Jeremy Kennedy. Uh, Jeremy, let's start off here with. So it's uh, take it. So you're going from Adam Borks, who was a striker wrestler, to now Emmanuel Sanchez, who a lot more wrestling, a lot more grappling, a lot of funky style. Is this the kind of fight you like? Is where it's something in your wheelhouse? He's a grappler. You're a grappler. You enjoy taking on guys like this. Yeah, yeah. You know, honestly, I think this is a. Uh... It's a great matchup for me. Um, I think what I do well, it plays right into to his game, you know, and I, I think I just, I do a little bit, the things that I do really well, you know, he struggles with. And I think uh, I'm going to be able to dictate where the fight is. Um, he's definitely an awkward guy and which is kind of hard to prepare for, but I just think trusting in my, my technique and skill and just cleaner, cleaner everywhere, you know, and, uh, he's just got a very, very good, good pace. And I think that's probably his best attribute is his conditioning and cardio. But I, I mean, I like to pride myself on that as well. And I just don't think I'm going to slow down when he, other guys do against him. You mentioned before, but I know a lot of people have mentioned that, that he's awkward, but he does a lot of stuff. You don't anticipate uh, How do you prepare for that? How do you prepare for a guy who he'll do something that's, you look and you go, you shouldn't do that. That's against every MMA, you know, procedure. <laughs> it, it works for him. Whatever it does, you know, he, he enjoys, you know, doing forward rolls. He enjoys sometimes just scrambling here and there. He does, he, you know, he doesn't expect. How do you prepare for something like that? 
yeah i mean i just just being ready for anything you know i'm just i'm i'm not necessarily gonna buy into all that you know rolling and, and funky stuff it's just i prepare my be absolute best possible way you know I'm, I'm i'll be primed ready to go good shape technical sharp ready for three hard five minute rounds and uh i just think I, i'm i'm just gonna be have a counter for all that you know all those wild scrambly stuff leaves openings and i'm just gonna capitalize on each one of those how big is it using the you know the dreaded p word patience because that's how it is you know it's just, it, most guys they'll fall for it to go oh I see a quick opening. They'll jump at it, and all of a sudden he'll catch them. I and mean, how big is it for you? To go okay. I'm gonna wait till he finishes, and then I'll be my opening. Then he'll, you know, he'll be in a position where I can catch him. Yeah, you know, it's uh, I've I've had about six, seven months off from my last fight, and I've just I've this is the first time where my my downtime has been in Vegas. You know, usually it's always been fight camp, and then going back to BC in between. Um, and after the, right before the last fight, I actually moved down here. So right after the fight, I returned back to Las Vegas, back to extreme couture. And I wasn't in fight camp, you know, I was just training and I was getting better and I've been getting better for six months, you know, and I've really focused a lot on patience and being calm and, and, and just taking in the, the whole fight, you know, like my sparring rounds, I'm just, I'm very present, you know, and I, and I picked up that in my last fight, I was just, I had too much fun, you know, where I was just, the fight got away from me against Borks, but uh, I was very, very aware and, and present on everything, you know, and I think uh, I'm just going to take that into this next fight and correct the, the, the minor things, get more aggression, but still have that same patience. We're definitely going to go to the Borks fight. We're going to come back to the Sanchez fight in a bit, but take me to your last fight or should I say bout it was you Edwin Najimi it's uh submission underground 25 you competed in that that's tell us about that like because there's no money really involved that's just fun for most fighters to talk to it's like all right yeah we get like, to grab it so what is it about that that you love and why take on Edwin so there's 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 small money in there which is you know to to, to get paid to grapple and not get punched in the face it's just kind of like a hobby to me you know it wasn't necessarily uh yeah like it's 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 jujitsu you know it's not uh it's not fighting it's not it's not what my career is it's just something that makes me better and and i, I had such a, a long layoff that i was uh grappling is what i started in and so i i just wanted to compete you know and uh, but i didn't want to do it for free and submission underground is something that where it's kind of the next step up it's pro grappling it's pro submission grappling so I, uh, I, I reached out to them and th that's the matchup they had me. And, uh, for my first match, I didn't even know who Edwin Nasby was until I, I researched him and saw all his accolades. I was like, Hey, cool. If I'm going to do it, I might as well do it against a guy like this, you know? And, uh, I, I thought, you know, the match went very well for me. It, it gave me even more confidence, you know, in that the first five minutes regulation time, you know, I was all over him and, uh, I made, it was in, in a cage so that kind of gave me comfortability that's what i'm used to grappling in so when i you know i smashed him up against the cage he had no real answer for it but then you know ebi rules you get to start on the back and the overtime and whatnot and i mean you put a five-time jiu-jitsu world champion on my back starting in you know in a back mount it's it's not the 
the most forgiving position, you know? So it's, I learned a lot from it. It, it is what it is. I kind of just uh, added it to the resume, added it to the, the competition. And now I, I have that experience under my belt as well. I remember talking with Brent Primus and he said the toughest part of these matches also is you're fighting bigger guys because they're just bigger. They're, you know, they, yeah. they match you up. And, you know, when he remember he said he took on Craig Jones, he said the biggest frustration for him was having a guy just who's physically bigger, stronger, who could just grab a hold of you. And then all of a sudden you say, oh, crap, I'm in trouble. Yeah. Uh, how yeah. tough was that for you? Because as you said, you're bu- you're bullying him, you're attacking, you're, under, you're doing all this here, and then – as I said, he gets on, you know, you start from your back. It's in the overtime. Once again, he's 185 pound middleweight. You are a featherweight. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I'm guessing, like, oh crap, it's 35 extra pounds. Yeah, it's a bitch. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it like, it is what it is. The size it is a thing, but it's also just the, the rule set. You got to take it for what it is. You know, it's, I, I wouldn't necessarily say I lost a grappling match with him. If you watch the five minute grappling match, you know exactly who won that. <laughs> I just think uh, he's better on the back than I am. But I mean, getting me there is one thing. And during regulation, he didn't get me on the back. And it's, it, I could say the same thing for me. I didn't, uh, I didn't get his back, but it, it, that's just the rule of the game is, you know, I've, I kind of took that and I, I did two, two other grappling matches since then you know and i've won both of those different rule sets you know one was uh a takedown was an overtime now if that was the same rule set i grappled edwin in i I think i would have done just fine in you know so it's just rule sets are are huge when it comes to the the submission grappling game and it's different styles different yeah it's 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 a whole different game man and it was kind of fun to get out of my comfort zone and uh try that out so what do you love about grappling so much because as we're talking here I can you, you sound like you know a little kid Christmas re- re- regaling all these things like, oh yeah, I got I got to open up you know I I got mom I got a, a BB rifle with you know red strippers here you know I got you know a puppy <laughs> that's how you sound so what is it about grappling for you that you can go God this is just fun I could do it all over again and then some like I just that's where I started you know and it's uh it's it's something you could do every other weekend you know and it's it a competitive grappler you're not taking the same damage as an mma fight especially like the the mental warfare like the the nerves and everything and for when i i'm grappling in these grappling tournaments my last one was against eric sanchez in uh, sacramento like you know you fly out and you're in a hotel and you're enjoying the whole process you're not nervous or anything it's, it's jiu-jitsu you know it, it is what it is and you're just going to have fun and compete where in mma fight you're you're nervous you're it's it's everything you've devoted everything for this you're you're gonna fist fight a guy in front of a live television millions of people and it's it's a lot more nerve-wracking you know it's a, it's more of a job where competing in jiu-jitsu kind of takes it back to being fun and it's a hobby you know and uh my bellator fights that's my that's my paycheck that's my career that's my job in these jiu-jitsu matches that's just me having fun and going and traveling and competing and doing that whole thing so i i, I just i enjoy them at the same time and it's something i'll do I mean, long after I'm done fighting and I can still, I, I'm going to be, I've been saying this from the beginning, I'm going to be rolling in a gi when I'm 90, you know, I'm just going to be, that's what I started in. And that's essentially what I'll be ending in, you know, is uh, I'll be rolling jujitsu until I can't do it anymore. If you're just tuning in, once again, we got Jeremy Kennedy here on the show. We're talking all things goes grappling. We're talking his upcoming uh, fight against 
now that Emmanuel Sanchez, take us back to the Borgs fight. You said that you had too much fun and got away from you. When? Like, when did you realize, like, okay, crap, I'm fighting his game, and yeah, it's great, but he, he's in control, and all of a sudden, I'm not. Uh, probably about uh, at the end of the second round going into the third. You know, I, I won the first round on the, on the scorecards. The second round, it was all stand-up. I don't even think I attempted a takedown. And then uh, going back into the third, I mean, he chewed up my leg pretty good. And I was just – I wasn't in danger on any of those – in any of the striking um, exchanges or anything like that. It was just more of – he kind of just out-jab and low-kicked me, you know. And it was a very technical kickboxing match. And that's – I thought of – a technical kickboxer in a kickboxing match essentially you know and uh i was just having fun typically in my fights you know i'm really high paced trying to take you down in your face smother you on the cage and this time i i, I just wasn't just because i was enjoying you know there you know i was moving around feeling good on my feet and uh i kind of paid for it because the time was just eating up you know at the end well by the time the bell rang i was still super fresh i wasn't tired i was I didn't feel like I'd been in a fight, you know, and that, that's kind of a, a thing I have to take, take with me. Like, Hey, at the end of these fights, I got to be spent, you know, I got to be last breath, you know, just absolutely exhausted, left it all in the cage. And that, that fight, I really, I kind of just, I didn't, you know, I, it was more of a, yeah, just a cruise control. It was very, very hard to explain. You know, like I, at the end of the fight, I, I, I wasn't breathing heavy. I was, like oh man i'm fine i can still go three four or five rounds after this and it's that's kind of not the especially on a three-round fight you don't have time to kind of just get into a fight like that you know you got to go balls to the wall for 15 minutes and i'm conditioned and i'm trained to do that and i just have to make sure i do that moving forward so as you said before it's your third bellator fight you won your first one second one you lost how big is this one for you in terms of not just winning the fight but also getting on to what you do best. Cause as you said, you know, you fought, you know, last first fight out, everything went well. Second time out, you got, you know, hooked into all this. How big is it for this fight to fight a boring, but sometimes smart fight against a guy who he wants to make, you know, just chaos. He loves chaos and the inside how he is. How big is it for you to fight by the numbers? Yeah. But I, I, I honestly think I can, I can fight chaos with chaos with this guy. You know, I just think I'll, uh, I'm just going to, win in every position you know I I think if it's if it's on the feet I'm landing the cleaner punches I think I'm going to be dictating where the fight takes place with the wrestling and if it's on the ground I think you know my style of grappling matches up very well with his style you know he's a he's a bottom guy he's going to look for stuff off of his back I'm gonna very heavy top pressure type guy and um, I just I feel like at the end of the each round at the end of each fight at the end of each exchange we're going to know who's winning this fight and I, I plan that on being me. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, he'll be fighting. It's going to be Bellator 272, only Mohegan Sun. I give you once again, uh, all the way down from Extreme Couture, I give you Jeremy Kennedy. Uh, Jeremy, before I let you go, where can the fans check you out at? Where is the Twitter page, Instagram, the website? And also, who are the sponsors going to be for this fight coming up? Uh, yeah, I mean, most of my stuff is all on uh, Instagram. I, I'm, I'm not huge on Twitter. Um, so Instagram, that would be Jeremy Kennedy 145 uh, sponsors. I have foodie fit out here in Las Vegas. They're a meal prep company. Uh, Mahana massage is good for all my PT work. Um, 
103 yoga and Pilates out here, oxygen yoga Renfrew back in BC. So I got a pretty big support system, man. So it's pretty awesome. Jeremy Kennedy, ladies and gentlemen, once again, always on a pleasure to have on the show. We come back, we got Christian Thune, he's warming up in a bullpen. All of a sudden, more only on Last Call. Last Call with the alcohol, only on the Blue Wire Hustle Network. Once again, only on Last Call. Last Call with the alcohol, only on the Blue Wire Hustle Network. And I want to thank my wonderful guest uh, today. We heard earlier, hour number one, Andrew Maloney. Always a pleasure talking with him. And me and Costco, we're, we're looking forward to his upcoming fight on December 9th. And him just getting back into the swing of things. Uh, I think the Franco trilogy took a lot out of him. I'm glad he's going to be fighting in his hometown. I'm glad he's going to be getting a, a fresher start or restart, as they say. And for a guy who's been through a lot in the last year plus with him and his family, it's great great to see him be able to go back home and really enjoy things as they are. And also, I want to thank Jeremy Kennedy for joining the show and explaining about what's going on with him and his fights and more of the mental aspect of fighting, which I don't think a lot of fans appreciate or even understand. I think we just look and go, oh, they're fighting... They're warriors, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, sometimes it's very tactical and you got to be composed. We have to learn, but you know, it's just like any kind of puzzle. You got to figure it out and figure out how you attack it and how you go about, you know, fixing things. So we're looking forward to seeing his fight once again. It's going to be December 3rd, only on Bellator 272. I want to turn our attention to this weekend's fight. So let's start off with uh, Showtime. It was. The main story that came out of a Showtime fight, of course, was David Benavidez winning. And there's a lot to take out of that fight. First, I give credit to Bredman Edwards. And if you don't know who he is, he is the trainer of... First, he's a trainer of former 154-pound champion J-Rock Williams. And he's done a fan... Anytime he's training a guy, you know he's doing an excellent job. But he also is a trainer who legitimately cares about his fighters. And we saw that in the Benavides fight where, hey, look, you know, credit to all parties in that fight. Uh, Davis was in there and he came to fight. He was a guy who a lot of people thought, hey, you know, he, he can, he's taking the fight two weeks notice, you know, bully for 
Kyron Davis. And you could tell after like, the third or fourth round, it was just not going his way. He was not in he wasn't really in control. He wasn't able to properly, you know, keep Benavides off. I mean, yeah, you know what he he he's a beard and he is he has balls on his kid. But you know, in the, in the fifth round, you hear Edward, Edwards going, "Look, you got you got to stop this. You know, if you don't show me something, I will stop a fight." So and then, and then after the sixth round, he's saying, "This is the last round I'm giving you." And I don't know what the hell referee was saying. Oh, it's a close fight. You got to keep. You know, I want to see more out of you. Edwards had it right. You're not showing me enough. You're taking too much damage. I will stop this fight. I care about you. And Davis acknowledged that. Like, look, yeah, yeah. I had two weeks notice. And my, my the original opponent who was Contigue failed the steroid test. I said, hey, what, you know, what the, as they say, what the fuck? We'll just jump in here. And he, you know, he did his best as you can. You can't fault him. You can't fault Edwards. But I'm glad that somebody was the adult and said, look, this isn't your night. Let's live the fight another day. You're taking too much punishment. I can't sit there and just watch you get your brains beat in. Meanwhile, if you're David Benavides, once again, now this will be his fifth knockout in his last six fights. And only Ronald Gavril made it to a full 12 rounds. And since then, he's knocked out Jay Leon Love in the second round. He's forced Romar Alex Angulo to. You know, retire after twelve, 12 rounds, after ten rounds. He knocked out Ronald Ellis in the eleventh round. Now knocking out Kyrone Davis in the seventh round. He's in line. You know, it, it, it's this is the fight for Canelo. I don't care about Triple G. That, that fight has sailed. We've we had the first fight. We had the second fight. Triple G's a middleweight. Canelo's a super middleweight. Triple G has shown no interest in going up to 168. And Canelo can't make 160 anymore. So that fight has sailed. It's let it go. It put the baby to bed, as they say. Now it's David Benavides' time. And this is a fight which I'm thinking this will happen next. Because Canelo wants to fight either in Texas or in Mexico. And if you're Benavides, you can fight in either place. And you can, if it's in Aztec Stadium or if it's in... Cowboy Stadium, that will sell out. It's two hard-charging, knockout, pound-for-pound great Mexican fighters, or Mexican-American in David Benavides's case. It's somebody that Canelo can sell as, hey, this guy's dangerous. I could possibly lose this fight. It's a guy who is also very young, so it's not some retread. And he's a big boy. It's almost six foot one with a seventy-four inch reach. This is a fight which I think will be happen next. I'll say right now, Cinco de Mayo, twenty twenty-two. I think that's the ideal fight for all parties. It gives enough time that you can hype the fight. It gives you enough time where the holidays are over. You know, families are done in terms of you know celebrations, vacations. It gives enough time for both men to sort of unwind. Relax for all parties to you know take a deep breath, look at contracts, look at everything here, and go. All right, we can make the fight. There's enough time for the train. I'm calling it right now. Benavides versus Canelo, May fourth, twenty twenty two. Book it. I know I am. The other big fights that came out this weekend, though, were 
I want to start. We'll start with the zone. They had some fantastic fights where you had tail two main events. Uh, over in, I would say the morning fight. Kiko Kiko Martinez, where the hell have you been? And look, they, they brought him in as sort of you know it was for Kid Far Farhad. It was you know, hey you know we we want a you know, name. Kiko's been, you know, has been around the block. He's been a former world champion. He is, you know, done, you know, he did his time. And yet, it was sort of, you know, a wink-wink, nudge-nudge. This will be over. This is what it's supposed to be. This fight will be over. We will have lunch. And everybody will go home, go home happy. And just, you know, once again... Somebody forgot to tell Kiko Martinez the plan was to lose to Kid Galahad. Now, there's a lot of people who are looking at this going, Kiko Martinez is in the driver's seat. Because for one, he's not, and I might be wrong, he's not tied with another promotion. So you can basically, he can go anywhere he wants. And... He's now the IBF featherweight champion. I don't know if there's a rematch clause or not. They'll probably have to look at that, but I, I doubt it because he was the mandatory or he was a he was up there. But there's a lot of fights that keep it, you know that can be made. There's as I said, Ray Vargas is chomping at the bit. PBC has money. They've been they've been dying to make a fight with for Vargas here. You know that they will they can probably swoop and go. Hey, let's make a fight. You've got Emmanuel Navarrete, you know Navarrete, who he holds a title. Now he's the unification. That fight could be made here. Hey, let's do this here. Top rank, I'm guessing, will be will try to throw some money here. You also have even guys like Mark Magsaya, who is the number three ranked contender in the IBF. Um, if for some reason you can't do Vargas or Vargas wants has something else there, that's a fight could be made once again. He's with the PBC. They have money to burn. You could put that, you know, they, you could put Magsayo versus Kiko Martinez on the Canelo undercard fight for co-main event. That's a fight that could make some money for all parties here. There are things, basically, there's money to be made now for Kiko. He has options. And you can bet he's looking around going, yeah, I want to take advantage of this. Uh, meanwhile, the other zone fight, Jamie Moniga, you know, this is a fight he needed. And... Was there a lot of controversy? Hell yeah. The, the scorecards were literally all over the place here. Uh, Gabriel Rosado was fighting basically with Jack Reese, who that is a terrible referee right there who needs to be fired. That fight became a Jack Reese fight, you know, and it'd be, oh, it's, it's, it co-starred Monique and Rosado. He was all over the place. He was... He had even stopped a fight earlier because he thought he heard the bell, which he didn't. Uh, can't blame Rosado for being pissed off. He felt like literally he was dealing with not just a tough opponent, but an incompetent you know, referee who would, was literally screwing him as best as possible. But now, you know, Munguia is right now, he's somebody that you can look at and go, all right, well, he's now ready for a title shot. And he's at middleweight. He is one of the few guys that the zone has 
right now for technically. It's going to be interesting what they do because you can bet that he's plan B for a lot of things, whether it's, you know, Murata Triple G winner, that's plan B. If they're really desperate and, you know, Mungia wants to a title, hey, Demetrius Andrade, he has a belt. It's also plan B. Either way, if you're Jamie Monica, you know, and look, in a perfect, he is the number one contender now to Demetrius Andre. In a perfect world, you know, we'd see Munguia versus Jamal Charlo, but Golden Boy, Al Heyman, yeah, good luck with that. Either, but Jamie Monica proved that he is a legit world title contender. He proved it in that fight. I think he can take a punch. He can handle adversity. He can deal with everything that a veteran can throw at him. I'm looking forward to seeing him fight. It'll probably, as I said, either be plan A would be either Golovkin versus Murata winner. Plan B is probably with Demetrius Andre, you know, versus Jason Quigley fight. The, either way, those would be some great fights to watch. And before we end, we got to talk about one quickly mentioned the UFC. Max Holloway versus Yair Rodriguez. If you have to watch the MMA fight, you know this year at least one. That's one of those one of the few fights I would say you must watch, hands down. Doesn't matter if you know the result. It was just rock'em sock'em action. It was tons of leg kicks by Yair Rodriguez. Uh, once again, yeah, Max Holloway shows that he is just tougher than well leather. You know, than uh, smoked leather. Just all you know. Off the wall action between those two men, and neither lost in terms of a grand scheme of things. Uh, Max Holloway won a fight; he should get the rematch against Volkanski, you know, next. But Yair Rodriguez, hey, he's right now in the driver's seat. He, to me, he is the number two or number three, you know, at worst featherweight in the world, and whoever you know. A fight with him versus uh, Emmett Ng is a, is a fight to watch. A fight between him versus even name your upcomer year. He basically the sky's limit for this kid. And he is becoming, you know, the next big action star for the UFC. But I digress. But anyway, we got to wrap this up. So once again, for Kaska Akashova, for Andrew Maloney, and of course for Jason Kennedy, this is Chris Connor saying, I'm out of here. Stay tuned for more great action coming up, though, only on its last call. Last call for the alcohol, only on the Blue Wire Hustle Network.